You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast. As tonight. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work. <laughs> As tonight, we have a special episode discussing Title IX. Uh, this year marks the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and we will be talking about some of that history as well as the impacts on IU women's basketball and um, overall sports programs from Indiana. Um, I'm your host, Kathy Amos, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Jeff Marlowe. We're here, again, of the Doing the Work, the newest podcast on the Back Home Network, which is dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. And as we do with most shows, we start with our our, uh, banner moments. Um, Tonight's banner moment occurred back on August 21st, when the Hoosier Hysterics Basketball Clinic occurred. The team hosted 100 kids, and by all accounts, it looks like it has a It was another major success for this NIL collective. A lot of young girls were able to meet and be coached up by ladies that they look up to and admire. It will be a memory that everyone involved, both the participants as well as our players, will always remember and cherish. Um, As always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield has recently announced that they will actually be releasing a six-piece Colts collection, I believe this Saturday. So whether you want only IU gear or other college teams, and now you can include NFL into those selections, Homefield probably has something just right for you and your family and friends. So spread the word. You can go to homefieldapparel.com to see what all they have. And if you haven't purchased, you can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off of your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Again, that website is homefieldapparel.com and wear one for the team. So, Jeff, before we jump into Title IX here, I thought we would just uh, get go over some of the headlines since we had our last show. So I'll just quickly run through those highlights, and then I'll send it over to you for Coach's Corner and see what kind of thoughts are on your, your brain today. So um, we mentioned before that they're renovating the team center, so they've posted some uh, great pictures and updates of how that's going. You can go out to the IU Women Basketball Twitter account and see some pictures. Uh, Kander Brown was announced as a Scholar Athlete of the Month for August. On August 3rd, Hoosiers for Good announced their next class of students. This included Sydney Paris, Parrish, Grace Berger, and McKenzie Home. Again, you can uh, go to hoosiersforgood.org to have more information, including what charities that they were um, are partnering with, as well as what other student athletes are uh, into this next class. Um, The freshmen arrived around August 12th or 17th, depending on the freshmen. Um, Coach Morn participated in an Indiana University Women's Excellence Symposium on August 14th. Um, Classes just started here on Monday, the 22nd. Um, And then the last bit of news that we just got today, we had um, one of our friends report to us via our um, inside the hall, or excuse me, our assembly call forum, that Grace Berger actually had some shoulder surgery sometime this summer. There's very little publicly known. We didn't even know about it at all. Um, We can't find any news. We have no information on her recovery or what the shoulder surgery for, um, but we just thought we would at least report out that she did have some kind of shoulder surgery. So we're hoping it's minor and that Grace has a speedy recovery. Um, So with that, Jeff, let me kick it over to you. What's on your mind tonight? Um, 
No, you covered all the headlines, Kathy. You took left nothing for me. Um, hey, by the way, for those of you watching on the YouTube's part of this on the podcast, uh, my internet's been acting up here a little bit. So if I freeze up and, and stuff, you know, we've tried fixing. That was part of the reason we were a little bit delayed getting on the air. Um, just a couple of things there. Um, I've tried, and I know you did as well. Uh, if you don't follow the IU women on Twitter, we were trying to post some of that stuff, retweet some of that stuff on the doing the work. IU women's basketball Twitter. Remember, we have our own Twitter account now at, D, at DTWIU uh, WBB. So you can follow us as well. And we try to post those, you know, we try to repost, retweet those things as well. But that's exciting. I, I, to me, that was one of the big things since we've last talked that because um, the, the, we've seen a lot of news over the last year or two about the men's locker rooms and things being updated. And now the women getting that kind of full update. The only other thing I would add here is that Sydney was really, Sydney Parrish was really the new person added from the women's program to Hoosier for Good. Mackenzie and Grace were part of that original class back in the spring slash early summer. And so I have seen a couple of things Mackenzie and Grace were doing and um, uh, uh, they had uh, about a week or so ago. And again, I didn't see anything in the picture, but it looked like, you know, Grace was looking fine. So, but they were doing an activity with uh, their charity up in Annapolis about a week or so ago um, as well. And so that was, you know, and, and also the freshmen arriving. So those were some big things, but I'm really looking forward to tonight's episode, kind of the history, not really of IU women's basketball, just but how the, you know, the thing we're going to talk about tonight, title nine has been such an impactful part of women's education and athletics. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff. Um, so um, one thing I did also want to just kind of mention too, if uh, those of you and I kind of slipped up and mentions inside the hall instead of assembly call inside the hall is another website that covers Indiana's basketball. They have um, historically only covered the men's side, but they do have um, Amanda Foster that's on their staff this year. And she did actually put out a nice piece. If you want to go out to inside the hall to read there around what our international players. So Mona and um, the two other um, in, and the two incoming freshmen that played overseas um, this past summer, if you want a little more in depth, I'd encourage you all to go out to inside the hall and read that article from Amanda. It was actually quite good. Um, so I think that takes care of the headlines, Jeff, but is there anything else on your mind since the last time we've got no, together before we jump in? No, I'm just, I'm really, and again, I'm looking forward to tonight's episode about uh, title nine and the history of it. But I'm really kind of waiting for the schedule drop. I think that's what all of us are really waiting on is kind of get the full non-conference and, and Big Ten schedule drop so we know exactly, you know, where we're at, where we're playing, things such as that. Right. Absolutely. Jeff, do you know, have an idea about when that has historically come out? Usually I would have thought it'd be sometime about the end of August. So because mm -hmm. you would think they'd want to start lining up. I mean, football season's around the corner. And by yeah. the way, IU football plays a week from this Friday, September yeah. the 2nd. So, uh, but we want to make sure that, you know, the football team does well. We wish them the best of luck. But so I would think they'd want to try and release those Big Ten basketball schedules and such before football starts and kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But that's what I was thinking, kind of in here, kind of this last week of August or so. But we're just waiting. To, and we're just waiting now. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was anticipating as well, both on the men and the women's side. But yeah, so we'll find out when they decide to tell us, I guess. So <laughs> I know we have a couple of nuggets here and there that we're excited to see how all the pieces come together. So. Um, all right. Well, cool. Well, with that, let's jump right in. Um, so, Jeff, I thought what we could do is just start with a, a very brief history of Title IX. Um, 
and then I, I'll just give a couple of highlights that I found out there around some of the history. And then I'll let you kind of talk about what your thoughts are in just an overarching impact from Title IX. Maybe you have some personal stories, especially having coached um, girls high school basketball. I have one as well that I wouldn't mind sharing a little bit that um, was impactful from for me um, that mm -hmm. actually was from my dad um, when he was alive. So um and then after that, maybe we can talk about some highlights of the impact of Title IX directly on Indiana. Um, a little bit overarching of all sports programs and uh, maybe a little less specific to basketball, but I think um, just talking Indiana specific. So does that sound cool to you? That sounds good. All right, cool. So let me just run through the bullet points and feel free to jump in. Raise your hand, interrupt me, add anything you want to any of these. I'm just hitting the highlights. So the federal... Um, law of the Education uh, Amendment was passed in 1972. Um, in there was an actual Title IX. So this was actually part of this law that went into place. So um, an interesting thing that I actually didn't know was that Birch Bayh, who was a senator at the time in Indiana, actually wrote the 37 words that were part that made up Title IX. Um, the initial uh, intent and the intent, I guess, still today is to, to ban discrimination in education based on sex. Most people think of it as something that was impactful or was written just for sports. It was actually any type of discrimination in education. It's been mostly used for sports, um, however. So it was passed by Congress on June 8th and was written into law on June 23rd, again, 1972. So that's why you've been seeing so much about it. It's the 50-year anniversary this year. Um, and then just to follow up to that, a study back in 2006 actually showed that the number of women in high school sports has increased ninefold between 1972 and 2006 when they did this study. So that was the most updated actual numbers I could see in terms of, of, of um, increase in sports since its passage. Now, of course, it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one correlation, but I am sure that it had some impact on the increase in popularity of women's sports um, overall, both high school and college level. So Jeff, anything you want to add on the history or any kind of personal stories that you want to, to share with everyone? Well, first of all, I want to go back and, and let's talk about Birch Bay and, and the fact that Birch Bay, for those people much younger than me and you, Kathy, they probably don't remember Birch Bay. I can remember being about Birch Bay being a U.S. senator. I can remember being disappointed when he lost his reelection bid in 1980. Um, but not only did Birch Bay help pass and write um, Title IX, he is maybe outside of the founding fathers. I believe he's one of the only people who ever authored two constitutional amendments. He was one of the main authors of the 25th Amendment on presidential succession after Kennedy's assassination. And then he was also one of the main, if not the author, the main one of the main authors on um, lowering the voting age to 18. So he's involved in three major things that happened in the mid 60s to the early 70s. And Title IX, as you mentioned, Kathy, Everybody focuses on the athletic part of it. And that's what we're going to focus most of our discussion on. But it, the impact it had on girls in education, women in education, because if you go back to the 60s and 70s, early 70s, there were still play. It was still kind of, the, you know, young women in high school were being, you know, kind of steered toward uh, uh kind of a secretarial job, a teaching job, a nursing job. They were being taught typing. They were being taught um, shorthand. And, 
and things such as that. You know, they weren't tall. They weren't, I won't say allowed, but they weren't really encouraged and maybe discouraged from going into physics and chemistry. And so, you know, those types of classes, because girls don't go into those professions. There aren't women surgeons and things like that. And, and so I, I, we talk a lot about this in my AP class. I teach government, I teach history. Um, and I have an AP class. We talk about this. And, and if, I'm not trying to throw anything other else, any other bills or laws out of the way here because there are others. But you can at least make the argument that or you can they're at least in the argument that Title IX may be the most impactful law ever passed by Congress. I'm not talking about Supreme Court decisions like Brown versus Board of Education or something like that. I'm talking about an act of Congress that had such a wide impact because it wasn't just aimed at a an ethnic group or a minority group, it was aimed at a broad spectrum of a, a gender of women. And so that, yeah, I mean, so Birch Bayh was a huge part of that. And I think he's kind of been forgotten in that respect. And hopefully as we've gone through, as people have gone through the, the Title IX celebrations this summer, hopefully he's come back and people are remembering exactly how much he did do. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I mean, I certainly didn't know know him. I remember Evan Bayh, um, but yep, yep. I, I didn't, I mean, I. I wasn't alive in 1972, so I certainly didn't know <laughs> about about his impact <laughs> on it. So um, that was that was very educational for me too. So there's it's been a good learning for me too. Even though um, I think I'd mentioned this <laughs> at the beginning, I, I personally have had impacts and seen impacts firsthand in my own life because of Title IX. And so that was just one story I, I guess I wanted to to share. Um, and that so for those of you who don't know me, um, I grew up in Southern Indiana. Um, in Huntingburg, Indiana, which is close to Jasper, way down in the the southern toe, if you will, of Indiana. So um, smaller town, about 6,000 people. So, you know, my dad in, in particular, um, <laughs> you know, he, he was a bit old school when I was born and I was in high school then in the early 90s. So I went, I graduated high school in 94. So those first four years of the 90s is when I, I attended high school. And um, just having, I think, a daughter for my dad being involved in a lot of sports. So I, I was very much a tomboy, right? I was in, in basketball. I was a swimmer. I played softball. I ran track for a while. I played my hand at soccer. Sometimes I do two sports at a time. And then my dad got a really firsthand look then to see how I was treated to compared to a lot of the boys that were playing some of the same sports. And I think it really opened his eyes in terms of, um, of the discrimination and the disparity between the two of us. And so um, it really changed his outlook and he became a very big proponent of all women's sports, even well past the time I graduated high school and left home. Um, he continued to, he got a, a, as an example, a fast pitch softball team started for the girls. I didn't even play on it. <laughs> um, that was something he wanted to do. He kept getting all of these things going. But the thing that specifically stood out to me for Title IX was when um, I was somewhere in high school, maybe my sophomore or junior year. Again, for those of you who don't know about Huntingburg, our high school is Southridge High School. And we had a high school gym, but Huntingburg also built what is called Memorial Gym. It was built back in the 50s. It was a very large venue. In fact, it held more people than the population at the time. Um, and it was used for everything, including all of the boys' high school basketball games. Mm -hmm. um, they practiced there. They had all of their games there. Um, but my my teams, we played at the high school and we were allowed to play at the boys gym once a year. Um, so my dad never understood why we couldn't do that. We had games at different nights. And so he actually went to the school board and said, we should allow the girls to play in the, and that's what we called it was the boys gym and the boys gym 
because they they should. And the, the school board basically said, no, they, they don't need to. They're fine where they're at. And then my dad came back and said, look, Title IX says you have to have equal disparity between the men and the girls and the boys. And he ended up um, slowly over time. And again, it happened well after I was graduated high school in 94. But he finally got it to the point where the girls were able to play all of their games there. Um, and a similar story to our IU women. <laughs> At first, though, they said, fine, you can play your games there. Yes, you can practice, but you're waiting on the boys and you're not you're not getting time until the boys are finished, which sometimes they would drag their practice out to very late into the night. And so my dad went back to the school board and said again, hey, remember this Title IX thing? And that's when they started alternating. So the, the girls would practice after school one day and then the boys the next day and they'd alternate practices and it became a lot more even. Um, so that was one my dad specifically used along with some of his other, um, some of the other fathers to go directly to the school board and use Title IX to help get that um, equality a little bit more for the women. So that one in particular is where I really was, I opened my eyes to Title IX. There were other stories where he tried on my behalf with things that didn't quite work, but that one was definitely a success story for my dad. Well, and, and for me, obviously, I coach girls basketball. And I'll kind of come back around to that a, a little bit later. But like I grew up in Rushville and we had had a very successful boys tradition basketball program for years um, up until about the late 70s. And then about the time I got to high school, we went through a couple coaching changes and, and it really, really started to kind of slide um, and never really has gotten back to where it was when I was growing up or had been in the 50s and 60s. But you look at what Title IX did in those early years. Um, those young women who came out of college, who had come out of college in the 60s and wanted to be athletic, you know, athletes and really hadn't had the opportunity, but now they were teaching in school systems. They're some of your early coaches in the girls high school program in Indiana. You look at the Donna Cheatham's, the Donna Sullivan's, the Jan Connors, the Cinda Browns that coached at Rushville. Um, that really established solid programs. And we were kind of in that same boat. I can remember looking through my brothers who were older than me. They're, our yearbooks were, you know, at the high school, we were in Rushville, the yearbooks were known as the whole cat. And so you know, I remember looking through some of those older, the girls still played in what was our multi-purpose gym, which was inside the high school. Whereas the our gym, the guy's gym, Memorial Gym, was across basically across the street from the high school. It had been there since the 20s. And when they built the high school in the late 50s, 60s, they moved it up by the gym. But that's a whole different story. But <laughs> but Cinda had created such an awesome program there at Rushville, at least. And much like Donna Sullivan and Donna Cheatham and the Jan Connors, the crowds got so big as they started having success, they had no choice but to move them over. And yeah, they and, and so a lot of those early girls teams, whatever the sport, had to take second second rate times and gyms or secondary gyms and and secondary facilities and maybe old uniforms used uniforms they, you know everything was kind of done i'd say on the cheap but i think everybody understands what i'm trying to say yeah. um but you get to that whereas you know and then of course my my i had two nieces who were played through Cinda's program at rushville um and one of them ended up at butler playing division one at, at butler where she was um, on a full ride. I mean, obviously, so, you know, in the early seventies, nobody, no young women were getting full rides to play basketball at any place. And by the mid nineties, when she's enrolled at Butler, she's getting a full ride playing at Finkel, Hinkle Fieldhouse, you know, and so all that. And then 
my daughter's obviously benefited from playing, you know, the, the multiple sports that were now offered. I mean, as you look back from the mid seventies on, at least here in Indiana, the IHSA at continually was adding sports, you know, starting with volleyball, basketball, you know, gymnastics was probably even one of the first ones, but then swimming as well, you know, but eventually they got to softball they got. And right now you're hearing even more about kind of, there's a push to try and get girls wrestling as an official sport. So you're seeing even still some of the remnants of title nine carrying over. Um, but yeah, I can remember those fights in the mid nineties too, Kathy, a little bit, because that was when office of civil rights at the department of education really started pushing the equality part of it. It, it wasn't just, it wasn't just enough to have a girls basketball team, a boys basketball team. Things had to be equal. Coaching pay had to be equal. Practice slots had to be equal. There was some push um, like at Rushville and in other places I know if you'd had cheerleaders at the boys games, there was expectation that there should be cheerleaders at the girls game. And, and, and there were fights over there. And let's face it, some of those old school boy coaches that I was friends with some of them still am, they really were there. They were going to fight that. Cause I mean, it was intruding on their, on their turf, but um, you know, but you look at where we've come from and you look at the opportunities that girls have now. And, and one of the stories that's been out here in Indiana, Kathy, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, but probably the young lady was going to be the f- the front runner for Miss Basketball here in the state of Indiana. Ashlyn Slade has transferred to uh, Lalamere because they're going to play with their girls program and and some of the things that we're seeing online. I don't know if it's actually verifiable. I know she's going to Lalamere, but you know there's some nil. There want there's a lot of speculation about nil. Indiana high schools have a rule against any athletes accepting nil. But here's, you know, here's an opportunity now where I think you're going to start to see some of these basketball prep schools like the Lalamere's who we've known about on the boys side for a while. I think they're going to start trying to really have dominant, you know, these kind of big time women's, you know, girls teams too at the high school level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, um, I, I was talking more about a success with Title IX, but there are definitely still struggles in the 90s. You know, again, for me personally, uh, and you mentioned the the men's coaches on the men's side. Um, interesting, I, I'd never had a female basketball coach. Um, I had I played three years in high school and I had three different coaches and all three of them were men. Um, at one time, my freshman year, we had our, our, our JV coach was the woman. Um, she ended up having a baby halfway through the season and her, her temporary replacement was a man. But I, I distinctly remember uh, my junior year with the new coach coming in the third one in three years, he comes in, his dad was actually the coach of the men's side. And he came in the first practice and the set tone, it might explain why I didn't play my senior year, set the tone by saying, well, I couldn't get a, a job with my dad on as assistant with the boys coach. So I guess I'm stuck with you. And, and it kind of sets the tone. I mean, he ended up becoming later on, you know, better of a coach and stuff. But for me, it, it, that was set the tone for me throughout the rest of the year. And we had other things as well. And I ended up not playing then my senior year because of him. Um, so there's just it's it's sad when you have things like that happen. Um, the other thing that happened to me that my dad did try with Title IX and didn't wasn't successful with was on my letter jacket. I was also a swimmer. Um, I had won several conference titles in swimming. I actually went to state a few times in swimming. And so way our high school worked is you would get patches for every, mm-hmm. every one of those. Our high school wrestling in particular was really quite good. So I went in my senior year to my athletic director and I said, you know, here, Mr. Bartle, this is our, all of my list of my patches. And he goes, okay, it's great. And he writes some stuff down. He goes, okay, this is how much you owe me. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I talked to some of the wrestlers and they told me that their patches are free. And he goes, yeah, but they're boys. 
Oh, that's a, that's a violation. Yeah. I, I mean, very clear. And I, I distinctly got up and I, I said a few choice words to him and I, I stormed out and I told my dad and he went back and he tried on my behalf with the AD. Um, and then my dad even offered to pay. And I said, you know what? I don't want those patches anymore. So I never got them. So. And I will speak back to my coaching. Uh, and I mentioned some of those great women coaches we had kind of early on. And there are more than just those four I mentioned. Those are four that come off the top of my head. Um, but that was kind of that period then. Then you get when you got to the late 80s, maybe the mid 80s, late 80s, into the early 90s. And I didn't get into the girls program until 90, fall of 99 was my first year in the girl, coaching girls. But for guys my generation who had been coaching in boys programs and were having trouble moving up from I'd been a boys JV coach for eight years. I felt like I was ready. Couldn't get a school to hire me to be a varsity boys coach. Well, the rules had changed. And now and the, 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 the things had changed where the pay was equal. You know, the schools had to equal out the pay. So you weren't going to take a pay cut because back then girls, co a lot of girls coaches got paid less than the men. All right. And so once they equaled out the pay and they equaled out the practicing and all of that, it became just as much a, 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 a job, a job you wanted to have. And so a lot of guys, especially my age, moved over in that kind of period and, and through about maybe 2010. But what we've seen now here in the last few years, anyway, since I've kind of gotten out, I see more women coming back into coaching girls basketball. And I think that is a good thing. I, I, I'm not saying men shouldn't be able to coach. I think if you best yeah. candidate, but I do think it is a good thing that we're getting more women, especially younger yeah. women back into coaching in, in, in the schools and such. But um, yeah, I, I, I can speak to that part of it. You know, there was kind of that, early group of really kind of hall of fame coaches that kind of set the standard in the seventies and through the eighties. And then there was a period where a lot of schools started moving toward, you know, guys like me and hiring them to coach the girls. And then, you know, and then, you know, and, and, and guys like me who were more willing to coach girls because of the things that, that had changed, mm -hmm. excuse me. And, 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 and I will say this, my niece, Jennifer, who played at Butler, played at Rushville, and, and her group of kids that she played with, um, travel ball AAU and on the all-star team, you know, which was Stephanie White's senior year. So we'd, and we'd seen Stephanie play travel ball. They weren't on the same team, but they played a lot of the same tournaments. And so, you know, it started to get me realizing kind of in the mid-90s that, you know, this girls game isn't where we thought it was. It isn't like the second step down or anything. And, and, and found out when I got into the coaching of the girls, they were hungry. They were hungry to be taught. They wanted to learn. Now there were things you couldn't do, you know, coaching girls. Like, you know, when I was coaching the guys and I'd grown up watching Bob Knight and, you know, you would maybe grab a kid by the arm to kind of move him around. Not, not anything right. physically abusive, yeah. but just, Hey, you need you to be here. You obviously yeah. were not going to do that with a girl. You know, they're, they're, you know, I can remember my coaches, you know, when I was in high school playing would pat me on the butt when I came out of the game, if I, or if I had been doing well, you know, a little pat on the butt definitely not was not that doing that. that. You know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so there were certain things you had to make adjustments to um, when you were coaching the girls, but it wasn't yeah. from a fundamental standpoint. It wasn't from a competitive standpoint. The kids wanted to be taught. They wanted to learn and they wanted to play the game. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, overarching, and I agree with you, like men should be women uh, coaching girls and women as well. But I think, 
just especially with younger women, I, I think it's really important for them to have a strong female to be able to look up mm-hmm. to, whether it's a coach or someone else in their life. But I, I think that's very important for, for young women. So, yep. um, well, with that, Jeff, should we transition over to some more Indiana specific type of sure. things? Um, what I thought I would actually do is um, I'll switch it up a little bit on what I had kind of in our run sheet. Maybe I'll just talk about some of the numbers that we've had um, overarching uh, in terms of all of the sports. And then I'll talk a little bit about some of the progression and highlights for the women's basketball team specific, if that's okay. That's fine. Okay. Um, so in terms of scholarship numbers, back in 1976, again, a reminder, the, the law was passed in 1972. So even by 1976, we had zero scholarships for, for women. By 1983-1984 school season, we had 82. And as of last school year, we are now up to 139 scholarships for our women's program. Um, on the flip side with participation, so in 1973-74, so the year following right after the passage of the law, we only had 54 women that participated in sports at Indiana. By 83-84, that had grown to 162. And as of last year, we had 389 women that participated in our sports. So that's a really fantastic um, growth number there. Um, Again, a lot of opportunity, and I'm sure there's a lot more focus on it, and there's a lot of reasons, but I think Title IX, again, helped pave the way for that. Um, Lastly, for varsity sports funding, um, back in 1977, the women got a whopping $291,000 in funding. I don't have the men's number to compare that to um, or for current, but that has grown from $291,000 to $19 million in our, 21, our 22, 2020 to 2021 season. Um, so those are some overarching. And um, just overall, we're up to 12 women's varsity sports. Um, So quickly from uh, women's basketball. So women's basketball started as a varsity sport in 71, 72. So right before Title IX was was, um, passed. Um, Most of the students that um, participated in basketball were actually students in the hyper school. Um, And because they had zero funding at that time and they weren't, um, they didn't have scholarships or whatever, they actually just took their hyper shirts that they already had and added numbers to that. And that's what they used for their jerseys. Um, Along that line, they practiced and they played in the upper gym at the hyper. Um, Eventually, (laughs) they were allowed to play in Assembly Hall, but kind of parallel to my story I was telling about um, my high school, Southridge, they had to wait until the men were finished using the facility. Um, so so we've seen that that growth too, and I think that's um, completely changed for our basketball program now. Um, there's still a lot of disparity overall. We talked, there's a lot of focus on the NCAA back in, you know, the pandemic when, with the disparity between the, the facilities and stuff, but it really brought highlight to it. We saw some changes coming from the NCAA as well. Um, specifically like they were allowed to finally call the women's program March Madness last year during the tournament. So that was kind of neat. So, but anyway, back to Indiana, those were some of the highlights that I kind of picked out stuff. Any, anything that um, you want to talk about specific to IU? Well, and not necessarily specific to IU, but Title IX some is, at least my understanding, is interpreted a little differently at the college level. It, it, it is much more about the number of scholarships that are offered more than sports. Like for us at the high school level, it generally ends up being about number of sports offered. If there's a boy sport, you got to try and make every effort you can to offer that sport in the girls program, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially once the IHSA recognizes it. Like for us, once the IHSA recognizes it, as an official sport, like before softball got added as an official sport, it was, you could still, you would see girls playing baseball and, 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 and before soccer got added, there were a lot of co-ed teams back in that period of the eighties. In fact, my high school had some girls who played um, 
with the boys on a co-ed team. But, um, you know, but whereas at the college level, it's a lot of time. And if my understanding is it's much more about the number of scholarships offered. And this is where football really gets to be a, a, an issue because it, it, then you start to, and the, and the cry then from the other side, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm just saying their cry from the other side yeah. is the boy sports are being discriminated against because oftentimes because football offers so many, you've got to cut some of the boy sports to be able, you know, to get those down. Cause you're not cutting football. You're, right. if you're a division one power school, you're not cutting football. So, yeah. you know, so. You know, yeah, and, we so here in Iowa, Iowa state cut their men's swimming program a while back inside. A lot, so, yeah. yeah. The, if you look through um, there, there's a lot of schools in the big 10 that do not have some of the sports that IU has. And maybe we have a sport or two that, that some schools don't have like men's gymnastics, I think was one that was big in the seventies, early eighties. And I don't know if anybody has men's gymnastics, thing, at least in the big 10, you know, um, yeah. you know, um, so, but that's, that's one of those things that I was talking about, but as far as IU, I think IU just shows about the history of every school beyond there. And I'm not talking about wins, losses, just about how you develop the programs. They started basically from scratch, nothing, and yeah. kind of, and, and, and earned everything they got. You know, it was, I would like to, I know we don't have time to do these things, but 291,000 in 1977. I wonder when it got to be above a million for the first time. I wonder when it got to be, you know, those types of things. How right. long did it take for them to make some of those increments? Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there's so much too. And I should note too, for everyone listening live here, as well as people that listen later, if you go out to iuhoosiers.com, they have an entire section on, on their feature for 50 years of title nine. And it's very specific to a lot of Indiana stuff. It gives you the history of the thing. You could stay there for a long time. We could have spent and, probably two hours highlighting it, but just go to and, that website for sure. Yeah. And Kathy also had this in talking about the NCAA. The NCAA didn't really sanction it for the first five or six years yeah. of, of the women's sports, especially at least from the basketball. I know more about the basketball side when it was still uh, uh, the Association of Intercollegiate Athletic Women. Yes. It was AIAW. Yeah. yeah. AIAW. And I think that's what it stood for. The NCAA didn't want really any kind of anything to do with it until they started to see that, well, you know, here and then I'm sure the member schools by the early eight, I think it switched over like 80 or 81. I but think, so. I'm, I think the member schools were probably starting to really push them that some of their, the, and I wonder how much of the push the NCAA was getting from the Department of Education too about it. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it was, yeah, AI, AIAW, the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. That was um, it. That was formed in 1971, um, so right before the passage of this. So again, another example of homegrown. Um, just as a fun fact, that was uh, in March of 72, the Indiana women's basketball team was one of only 16 women teams that were invited to the women's basketball uh, tournament that year. Um, they made it to the final final four a couple times. I think they even won it one year. Um uh, but don't quote me 100% on that. But then uh, I can't find it exactly. But yeah, it, as soon as the NCAA said, nope, we're going to have a women's tournament as well, that effectively killed off the a AIWA. So um, that that lasted probably from the 70s. I think it was mid 80s, though. Okay, I'm um, going to talk. I'm going to work. I'm going to talk to the workaholics real quick. Are, yeah. are you talking about a men's program, women's program? You're, you're dropping hints here. You might as well just give us a, at least a little bit of a clue because, you know, you're dropping these hints in here. So, you know, about uh, something brewing, you know, if know. it doesn't do with the women's program. I'm not worried about it right now. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, 
So, but anyway, but sorry to interrupt you there, Kathy. It's okay. No worries. But I, 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 like I said earlier, I, I, I really think you, both at the high school level and the college level, you can make the art, at least have it in the discussion that Title IX is the most impactful law Congress has ever passed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's in the discussion. Absolutely. Um, here we go. It was in 81, 82 is when the NCAA offered its okay. first national championship for the women. So, yeah, early 80s. So they, um, AIAW is around for a while. But, yeah, I think, again, I really encourage people to go out to that website if you haven't already. Um, there's really some great stories around the the pioneers of the women at Indiana and, you know, some of the early coaches and the how they really to, you know, to what we were kind of alluding to with, you know, creating their own jerseys out of hyper shirts, they were really homegrown and they had to work for everything that they had. And, you know, there's stories on there of having to ride buses and get their own vans and travel, travel that way. And um, just how hard it was for them to do what they really wanted to do. And not that, it, you know, it, it's easy, but it does highlight how far we've come in 50 years. So, um, it, it's a really great website and I think they've done a nice job highlighting that. And there's a really I, nice I, article on there, you know, where they've I, interviewed some of the current players along with some of the, the players, I think from the, um, 19, uh, early 1980s that, um, really it was a nice article. I didn't look at everything on there, but yeah. they had some nice clips on Twitter from that symposium that they did about the yes. women's, you know, that Terry Moore was a part of. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so overall, I think, you know, hopefully everyone would agree that title title nine was, you know, it was, it was a necessary act. It's definitely had some impact on girls, high school, as well as women's um, college, um, not just sports, but education. Again, Jeff and I are focusing mainly on sports, but it had some impacts on education as well. And, you know, we really come a long way. Absolutely. I've seen Im improvements since, you know, I, like I mentioned, I graduated high school in 94. And um, I can look back over those number of years and, and see some great improvements as well. Even since I've started with a company I work for, which has been 23 years, I've been at the same company, I can see huge improvements in how I'm treated as a woman now than I was, you know, 23 years ago when I first started. So I think we continue to make strides as a society. Um, and in part, I think Title IX had a huge impact on that. I agree. All right, Jeff, that, I think that was our only real topic today. We didn't really have any questions um, from any of our, our chat, unless you guys want to drop anything in the chat right now. Um, there was nothing on Twitter or in our private community. So if there's nothing else you want to highlight on Title IX, I'll just wrap us up with some programming info and we'll talk about what's coming up for us. Yep. All right, cool. All right, so we will be back sometime in September, which, believe it or not, folks, is next week already. Uh, we are kind of waiting to see for a date on terms of when the schedule drops. We're hoping here pretty soon, and then Jeff and I will figure out our schedule and um, probably focus that as our next podcast. But we might come up with something else to do, maybe a short topic or two in between, but um, we'll definitely come back at least um, once here in September. Um, so make sure, again, Jeff mentioned it at the beginning to go out to Twitter if you haven't already and follow us at um, Doing the Work, IU Women's Basketball. It's D-T-W-I-U-W-B-B. Um, we try to tweet out when we're going to have shows. We try to retweet any information that we see around um, the basketball community. Um, so you can also go to our Assembly Call community page, if you haven't already, when you go to assemblycall.com, you can go to, I think it's assemblycall.com slash join. You can join our private community if you haven't already. Jeff and I also post there when we're going to have shows. We'll um, try to be a little more active as we get into the season, posting things like they do on the men's side, maybe some polls or, or discussions. 
Um, along that lines, it, again, if you're part of our, our private community tomorrow night, I'm sorry, today is only Wednesday, Friday night. <laughs> sorry, I've been a day ahead. So is my husband all week. Like I keep thinking it's Thursday. Tomorrow is Thursday. So on Friday, they're doing a virtual happy hour. It's really meant to talk about the kickoff of football season, which is the week from Friday for Indiana. Um, so I think Jeff and I will talk about, see if we could do something similar uh, for a virtual happy hour to talk women's basketball, but nothing definitive there. But we are having one for football on Friday. Um, and then tomorrow night on Thursday for real Thursday, um, Assembly Call, I think, is scheduled to do their regular show. So that's at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. Okay, Jeff, it's time for last call. What final thoughts do you have for us today on Wednesday? I'm just going to kind of summarize this or sum it up this way that just to all the women who played in the last 50 years, who benefited and, 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 and like you said, even it benefited from the educational improvements and opportunities, whether and not just athletic, but for all the young women the, who benefited over the last 50 years from Title IX, kudos to you guys. Because I mean, it, 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 and the other thing is like we didn't mention there. That was that period of time when we were also proposing equal rights amendment. You had the women's live movement. So it all really did kind of fit together. But the, the fact that where we are today in America with the way women are treated, the way women have opportunities to not only play sports, but to advance in their careers and to fields that they hadn't been able to 50 years ago. Just kudos to all those young women who took advantage of the opportunity that was given to them. And then kudos to guys like Birch Bayh, who had the foresight to write a law like Title IX. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I, I know, like I mentioned at the beginning with my story, I didn't necessarily get um, personal benefits from it, but I saw it. And I saw, you know, especially how my dad utilized it for our my hometown. And it, it was just really um it was really eye-opening for me too, just to have my my dad, who was, you know, very much when I was born, uh, girls, to your point, shouldn't play sports. And um, I threw that out the window when I was probably by the time I was about four years old. So um, I really helped change his mind. And then he really grasped on the Title IX. So for me personally, it's something that I, I'm, I'm very proud to have been a part of um, historically. So. Well, if you all want to see us do the show live and be part of our live chat, we have a lively chat going on here tonight as well. Please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash assembly call. Also, if you aren't already, sign up for the free IU Hoops email newsletter. It comes out every Sunday and then after every men's basketball game. Um, you can join for today, free today at join.assemblycall.com. Um, a special shout out. You can see the Assembly Call logo um, to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing that logo. Um, a secret word out on the street now is he's maybe working on one for doing the yep. work. So we're excited to see that yes, and what he comes up with us here in the next couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting for us. And uh, most of all, all of you that are listening both live and after the fact on whatever venue you like to listen to, we really thank you for listening. Um, Jeff and I are just doing this out of um, love of basketball and women's basketball specifically and thought there was a, a niche there to, to fill and um, trying to bring more news and uh, to everyone out there. So thank you for listening. Spread the word. Make sure anyone else that are um, Indiana women's basketball fans get out there and, and continue to listen to us. We um, want to grow our family here and our, our uh, workaholics and the chat mob the, the more we can. So, um, But as mentioned, we'll be back to talk some more IU women's hoops soon with you um, sometime in September. But until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. See you, everybody. Take care, everyone. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.